January 4th, 2017, ringing in the new year in Fishtown, Philadelphia. Ringing in the first podcast of the new year. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid alongside Dave Zylan and my dog Baxter. We are back. We're back. And we have a third. Uh, yeah. He's a good co-host. A third host. He is good. Uh, he's a two-year-old chocolate lab. <laughs> Retriever I'm scratching under his neck right You're now. Scratching his it's neck, pretty adorable. Right he's been good. Do it, you guys can't see it. I told him um, that he's allowed to. Hey, he's allowed to be in here. He just um, the other day he chewed through a guitar cable. So uh, we just got to watch, uh, watch happens. it. Keep an eye out for that, or else all of a sudden there will be no audio no. on the podcast, <laughs> and then it'll just be one of us uh, talking by ourselves into the microphone. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back in 2017. We haven't done a pod since November. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we took a break with not much going on with the union off season, and uh, there really hasn't been go- much going on ever yeah. since. But um, Dave, what what's good, man? How was your uh, good? How was Hanukkah? Happy New Year. How was the New Year? Hanukkah was good. Yeah. Uh, New Year's was good. We went to um, Atlanta for uh, New Year's Eve for a, a wedding. A wedding. Uh, right on New Year's Eve, which was interesting. Uh, tons of Atlanta uh, United fans just everywhere. Yeah, I couldn't I get around them. <laughs> I sense a bit of uh, uh, yeah. like you're being facetious. I did mention it at the wedding to like a few different people and at the dinner the night before, and I got a lot of blank stares. But it was actually mostly um, uh, fans of the uh, Peach Bowl. So yeah, college Alabama football, right. and Washington fans right. were like all in our hotel, right. which is pretty different seeing the Alabama fans versus the Washington fans. Yeah, when I was down there. Um, that was that was the main. Atlanta was an interesting sports town because college football was huge, but and you know you had some Falcons fans because they were good when I lived down there. But other than that, it was just sort of a hodgepodge of you know transplants and people who are yeah. in different different kind of stuff. The Braves were pretty sorry uh, yeah. draw as well, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Atlanta is pretty good though; they have a lot of players. Yeah, they might. They've I, made some. I think signing, they made more than the Union. They right? might have a better signing uh, <laughs> than the Union have made in uh, seven years, but. Um, yeah, a lot to talk about today. Um, you know, we'll just wrap up 2016 and some of the stuff uh, that's been going on with the union or the lack thereof. Uh, Bob Bradley was a big story over the winter, too. Well, der- uh, you know, last month or so. Uh, union waiver draft reentry, Ernie Stewart, uh, Charlie Davies. So, um, you know, just a quick look back at, at yeah, 20, so 2016. And- let's kind of wrap up 2016. I actually just wrote a column on CSN with uh, Ryan, kind of like uh, best games, best goals. When you look back at the season, just mm-hmm. what were your f- favorite moments? It was interesting when I was writing it. Uh, me and Ryan did it uh, not together, but our best games were both within uh, f- within like five days of each other. Oh, okay. In May, there was a crazy game in, in, in May 20th in like Orlando. It was a crazy 2-2 tie oh, where Blake okay. saved uh, mm-hmm. the, the PK from Kaka. Uh, there was all these crazy plays at the end, uh, two goals. Uh, Ken Tribbett's first goal, I think. And then like a couple days later, there was the uh, big win over DC with that late. Uh, goal from oh, like Marquez, Marquez so, the, yeah, yeah. It, it was just interesting thinking back to May when they're on that eight game unbeaten streak and things were looking good and then yeah. and then the Copa break came and kind of changed a <laughs> bit kind of cha- yeah um yeah I don't know I think my takeaway overall um you know the specific moments I think of some Andre Blake saves the first Orlando game where he had the one on Aaron Winner at the end of the game to preserve the um that two to one win um you know, I think more so than specific moments for me, it was just kind of takeaways from the way that they advanced and the way they grew a little bit, you know, bringing some rookies in who played well, kind of developing a style for the first time ever too, you know. Um, we saw earlier in the year when they were playing well, they were pressing, organized, 
structured team that looked like they had an identity for the first time in a long time, you know, where we had asked Jim in the past, uh, hey, what's the identity of this team? How are you guys trying to play? And he says, well, you can't do you can't say that until you start winning mm-hmm. games until you start doing something and they did and and for a little while there we were saying hey they're going to be a four two three one defensive kind of team the wingers are going to help out a lot you're going to have a target man kind of running running around up there and, and even though it wasn't you know at the end it kind of fell apart and I was, I was critical of them for not wanting to change that I, I think the steps forward that they took in trying to identify themselves and kind of behind the scenes kind of things too of uh technical staff and a front office that seems to be on the same page and yeah. you don't have a meddling CEO and players that you don't want and coaches that you didn't <laughs> hire and things like that. So Who are you I talking think, about? Uh, you know, I could, I could name them, but we don't, we don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, the best things about 2016 are probably the, the off the field stuff. You look at the uh, super draft back in January, mm-hmm. you get Keegan, uh, Yarrow and uh, Herbers, uh, two of the top five, like rookies probably. And then in the transfer window, you get, uh, um, Charlie Davies and, True, yeah. Bedoya, Bedoya, and yeah. then trade uh, your franchise icon. So that was kind of a hey, a yeah. Big, by like, the way, they made there, their so. record their record signing. You know that kind of falls by the wayside. <laughs> know. You know, I, I forget about that. And um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's collective off the field kind of stuff. You know, the fact that they finished the training complex and the training fields yeah. are what they are, and now that they just have the infrastructure that everybody else has. I got the sense, and and you tell me if you agree with this or not, but I just got the sense when I was listening to them in that season ending press conference that you know internal expectations just didn't seem like they were that high last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, they seem strangely, before, yeah. yeah, strangely pleased about how it how it finished, and that's that's fine. I I, I get the sense that they kind of see year number one of Ernie Stewart as year number one of the franchise, but you know, tries telling that to fans who have watched you know seven years of losing, you know, yeah. Um, so so what is you know what's what's the goal? What what is the standard for this year? I mean, what's acceptable for them going yeah, into this year? I think you raise expectations. You don't raise them all the way to say you have to win the MLS Cup or it's a bust. Uh, I think you have to obviously. I, uh, make the playoffs again and and maybe get one of those top a uh, few seeds. I mean, just what do you think? Yeah, it's it's sixth place. Okay, I mean that's that's kind of the bare minimum of what people were expecting last year. You you have a record signing now, so you've set a standard for yourself that says, hey, if we're going to pay seven million or seven million dollars, seven figures for a utility midfielder who doesn't really have a best position i mean then surely you know now you got to spend that much on a striker yeah um or another midfielder a playmaker or something like that i i think that they it's nice that they've made strides at the academy and they had a good draft and stuff like that but you know if you look at the teams that are doing well um around the league it's not just the fact that they're spending money and they're buying javinkos and and altadors and um, david villas and stuff like that that they're also you know they're, they're taking advantage of every single mechanism that's available to them homegrown you know the draft free agency stuff like that and that's what toronto did toronto was the blueprint for all that stuff because it wasn't just about splashing the cash they did it in the right way and they they took advantage of everything that was available to them so the union can sit here and talk about the academy and trying to do this and not throwing a ton of money at, at players and stuff like that but you know each and every year you're going to set a new standard for yourself where spend this kind of money now you got to spend this kind of money or you draft this player now you got to create this kind of player so Fifth place, fourth place. I mean, that that's the the bare minimum for me. Yeah. I think going into this year, right? Yeah, I would say that too. And it's hard to kind of have the expectations now without knowing who they're going to sign. I mean, if they only get maybe one or two players, or versus like if they reshape their roster with like four or five signings, it's just hard to say right now. So I guess uh, we could look ahead to like 2017 and or even like this next month and just what do you think that they need to do? I mean, Jim Curtin has said I think. It, in the interview with uh, Tannenwald, right, that their two biggest priorities are uh, an experienced center back and a striker who's probably worth 
I mean, a striker, I think it's it's probably going to be their biggest signing, like, worth in the... It would have to be. I yeah. mean, and even, even then, you don't have to... I mean, you look at, uh, you know, guys around the league, um, as my dog goes to town <laughs> on an oven mitt over here. He's so distracted um, watching yeah, this oven mitt. Yeah, Baxter, you're doing a good job over there, man. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you look at some of the salaries of some of the effective strikers um, in the league this year. Bradley Wright Phillips, again, $650,000. Ola Kamara, I mean, less than $700,000. Michael DeLeu for Chicago Fire, who came in. Um, you know, for less than $600,000 as well. And then you look at Chicago going out and spending money on a guy like Nemanja Nikolic or something like that. I, I don't think that, whoa, that... He just th- threw the oven mitt. <laughs> that was like Josie Altador versus Ken cr- Trivet. Like, just go over just there. shredding. And, okay, all right, yeah, the oven mitt went flying across Dave's uh, face there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it would have to be. I mean, and, and even then, he... You know, the center back, the, if you're going to spend money on center back, it doesn't need to be a ton. It just needs to be an experienced guy to kind of help these guys along. Richie Marquez and Josh Yarrow, I think that's a pairing that can be successful, you know. Um, but yeah. I, I don't think you can go into uh, – to me, it's DP striker, and it's been that way for years. You know, yeah. you can't go into this season with just uh, Charlie Davies and C.J. Sapong. And those were the holes last offseason. We all said that they need, um, like, another forward and uh, just more, like, experienced defenders. Yeah. And they and they went into the season with only C.J. and with uh, very young uh, defenders. And in the end, it kind of bit them. But C.J. couldn't score in, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And and the defenders were getting hurt. They were making mistakes. So I think they realized their um, Stakes maybe and are looking to correct it. I think people were kind of bored when you know the waiver draft went through and reentry went through and nothing really happened and there weren't really many sniffs of rumors or anything like that. But you know, I'd, I'd say you know they, they do they do that every year. They never really use those mechanisms to sign players. They haven't signed a guy in reentry since Corbin Bone, yeah, and uh, Connor Casey before him. Yeah. There's only ever two uh, yeah. reentry selections in the in franchise I was, history. I was looking at. Had uh, Damian Lowe. Is, Damian Lowe, I like too. If yeah. you recall in the draft, they wanted him so bad. I mean, Brendan Burke said in that like behind the scenes article that he sees him playing in the like EPL in a couple years. Yeah, like, he, they were so high on that guy. Well, and it's interesting too because right, they wanted Lowe, and Lowe was a guy who played at Reading, and they were high on him. And and right, they were on the record saying that um, in the story that Andrew Weeby wrote. Uh, it was really good, long, in depth behind the scenes piece from the 2014 draft. Yeah. Damian Lowe then uh, was selected by Seattle, and he went to Minnesota on loan. And uh, I thought that Minnesota might make a uh, make a try for him as, as they, you know, gain promotion this year. Well, not promotion, but you know what I mean, as they, as they join MLS this year. But that's not the case. So, um, you know, Steve Newman was another kid that I thought would be interesting, another Redding connection, another local kid, but he retired. Mm-hmm. Um, Did he retire? Yeah, he retired completely. I didn't, I didn't so see that. Wow. He wasn't even involved in the – he retired, I think, the day of the reentry draft. Wow. So I think he took himself His out. brother just graduated from Penn. Um, he was a good senior for, yeah. for Penn this year. Third guy that I identified. That's my Penn update of the Penn week. Penn update. <laughs> Penn update from Dave's Island. So the union should get him. That's Alec your, Newman, if you're listening. Yeah, the third guy that I identified was um, Mikey Stevens, you know, um, playing for Chicago. But he also had some good years in L.A. And he played for Bob Bradley under, at uh, Stabuk. And, uh, you know, he's a 27-year-old experienced midfielder who can move the ball around. So, But, you, you know, look, the fact that they didn't go for anybody in those those mechanisms says, hey, maybe they're waiting for bigger and better. You know, and Ernie yeah. did well last year with the Allberg signings and the Elsenio signings using targeted allocation and um, general allocation, handouts from the league and stuff like that. So they do, they do have, you know, even if money is an issue, you know, they can go for a DP striker and then buy him down. They can use the, the targeted allocation. They're getting – What's the amount they're getting? Is it four hundred, five hundred thousand? Yeah, something sounds like right. That. Um, you know, and there's different ways to go with that. So, and that's why you brought Ernie Stewart in is to try to find these other avenues to explore to um, 
to do those kinds of things. So yeah. uh, this is when most of their the most of their business happens, right? Yeah, most well, of they, it's in January and February. Yeah, and they did make one move in uh, December, and I was getting uh, Charlie Davies back, which mm-hmm. I thought was a good move. Like you mentioned in your column, I think that they traded a a, a first round pick for him. So yeah. you want to give him more than just the like ninety minutes he got like last season just to see what he could do. He had. He had the crazy year last year coming uh, over and the cancer and the I mean, you have cancer, you have twins that yeah. are born prematurely. No, yeah, it's I mean, crazy. Like, what so, the hell else can one yeah. day go through? So having a full preseason is going to help him. Um, my question is, if they do sign a big striker and they have CJ and Charlie and they only go with one forward up top, how do you yeah. kind of manage those minutes? Is it going to be a case <laughs> where Charlie only plays a couple minutes a game again, or is he going to be able to find some more minutes uh I guess you can elsewhere. use, yeah, I mean, in that case, you can use CJ out on the wing, too. He played a little bit there this year, but not a ton, just because he didn't really have anybody else to play striker. Um, I don't know, play 4-4-2, play 3-5-2. I just, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know, I have to beat the dead horse. I feel like I talk about this every damn time, but it's it's a thing that interests me, you know. It's, it's you, you got to, I'm a believer that you, that, I mean, you got guys like Alejandro Bedoya who can play anything, and they're going to be good at anything. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's got to be – if you're going to pay seven figures for a guy, he's got to be the focal point. You know, he can't just be a utility guy that, that fits in wherever you, you put him, you know. So you're going to play Roland – or in the wing. Well, I don't, I don't know because then what do you do with Roland Allberg, right. you know? I mean, because you have – Allberg is a guy who's a pure goal scorer, and, yeah, he doesn't play a ton of defense. But, I mean, how much, how much defense does uh, Lionel Messi play? You know, and I'm not saying that Allberg is messy, obviously, but you know, you have guys like that where Christian Maidana was in the same comparison. (laughs) You know, and it's like he doesn't work hard two ways. He's not going to drop back and defend and stuff like that, but he'll get you 15 assists. So when you have a guy like Jim Curtin, who's a defensive-minded, old-school American kind of guy, and I appreciate that because I played as a defender my entire life or a D mid, but um, you got to let the offensive guys do what they do. You know, and so. I would rather see Roland Alberg play as like a second striker off of somebody's shoulder, and then you have Bedoya maybe playing behind them at like the tip of a diamond or like a four-four-two, something flat. Because I just don't think Bedoya playing in the eight yeah. makes a ton of sense going into. Well, this Bedoya's game. been like a winger for like most of his um, U.S. national team career. Right? Yeah, I mean, could you see him sliding in on, on one of the wings with like Pontius on the other side? I don't. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, um, well, because I mean, on the right side now, think about it. you got Elsino and Fabian Herbers under contract who are going to be back this year. On the left side, you got Chris Pontius. So, um, I don't, I don't know. You could try Bedoya on the right, but then you already have two guys who are decent over there. Um, I think, I think he's sitting in the middle. I, th- I think Jim's going to go in this year, and Allberg is is again going to be the odd man out. Yeah. I just kind of have a gut feeling because he's not going to change the it seems that way. shape well, or anything. They do have two good options at the a 10, so it seems like they're probably not going to sign a 10. I mean, they're going to focus more on forward and defense, right? Yeah, Man. they would probably ha- they would have to, right? I mean, it's just because last year, remember, they had such a good offseason building the, build the midfield, but they didn't do anything in the other um, right. areas either. So, And there's a lot of X factors going on here. I, th- I still think they should sell Andre Blake. I haven't heard a damn rumor uh, regarding that, but Ernie doesn't tell anybody anything anyway. It's like it's like Fort Knox down there trying to, trying to get any kind of. I haven't had. I haven't been able to sniff out anything. I mean, last year our value is uh, nothing to you guys. As I know. Fans right now. I know. Yeah, we're just know. here the same as you. Yeah, I got to be honest too. Like the silly season, I know fans appreciate it and whatnot. And I try to like work on it, you know, because people like that kind of stuff. But it's such a pain in the ass, man. Like it's it's not like look. The difference is that like if if you ask me, well, I'll ask you. How about this? If you could, if you could be, uh, you, you have Mike Mayock, right? Who's like a f- football expert who watches film of every single bum on every practice squad in the league, right? And he's like revered for his football knowledge, right? Or you could be Adam Schefter, who's the guy who knows everybody and has all the sources and stuff like that. 
Would you? <laughs> would which one of those guys would you rather be? Uh, probably neither. You know, probably neither. Well, you know me. I'm more of the feature guy. You're like, a good storyteller. You're probably the best. Story. You're yeah. the best pure writer <laughs> but among the Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Here's the point of the show where we just compliment each other. <laughs> and you're yeah. the best at breaking stories. I'll blow stories. sunshine up your ass, and then you blow it up mine. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, I mean, but here's the breaking big, stories isn't always isn't always great. I'd say, but I think the fun part is when it's the early, it's like early in the preseason, and it's like me, you, and Matt going out there to like Penn Park bubble. Yeah. And our guys were talking to for the first time, like, how'd you get here? Like, like kind of learn about too. them. Like, that's cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good storyteller. You're probably the best, the best, like, at, at that kind of stuff. And and I, I know that fans, it's, it's you know, the rumor breaking and stuff like that helps, um, you know, break up some of the monotony when you're sitting here in the winter waiting for the season to start and everybody's kind of cooped up and kind of bored and there's not much going on. But, um, you know, that's that's not that's not journalism. Yeah. That's, like, uh-huh. it's information trading. It's right. information brokering. It's not... <laughs> You know, so don't don't. I I appreciate when people say, "Hey, you, you you know, you've been pretty good at getting scoops and stuff over the years," but that's not that's never really been the the goal. I mean, it's it's different from you know writing a good story or whatever. But anyway, so the point being is that I can't get through to anybody down there because <laughs> Ernie just has things on lockdown. He just communicates differently, and also with the changes in the front office, it's um it's not as loose as it used to be. You know, people were more willing to talk when you had Nick Sakevich in charge and people didn't really trust what was going on down there. And now that everybody's on the same page and everybody's buying in, they're going to keep things yeah. tighter and they're not going to let stuff slip to a to a reporter. So it's it's the way it is, you know. Those things kind of go in cycles, right? I mean, you're only... It's probably good Ernie's running a tight ship. I mean, there are, like, other... <laughs> yeah, MLS get down for them. <laughs> there dog, are other, like, MLS teams who, like, have a lot of room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that's a good thing. So, I mean, sir, you can you can stay there and say, hey, Kincaid and Zeitlin and, you know, MLS transfers aren't really coming up with anything right now. Um, but but that's good in the sense that they're, they're locked up down there, and that, that says to me that everybody's on the same page and they're kind of buying into what they're doing, and they don't want to let anything slip. So... Anyway, okay, we're at uh, 18 minutes right now. Baxter, you have a little Bob Bradley say? talk? Should yeah. We? Yeah. Absolutely. On my way over to Fishtown, I listened to the uh, to the podcast with uh, Bob Bradley on uh, Grant Wall. And Excellent. It's it, it was interesting. He was really open. I mean, I'll say it. He got screwed. I mean, to have a coach only get 11 games, I mean, that's, that's nothing. And he brought this up, and I thought about this too. I, I mean, there are guys like coach k who had a terrible first like two seasons and, mm-hmm. and then become like and then, and then they become like a legendary coaches so you have to give guys time i mean it's not a quick thing like i mean what just what was your take yeah. on the whole thing uh so i wrote a lot about bob actually over the last month just because i wanted to keep doing content and uh there wasn't a ton going on with unions so i kind of stepped out and did some different stuff too i think i even wrote a story about temple football too but um oh man <laughs> exciting right um I mean, there's a lot of points here. I mean, first off, the the idea that uh, that he didn't have enough time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what is anybody supposed to do in 11 days without a transfer window, yeah. right? Uh, number two, the fact that he was American and uh, there was bias um, towards him because he was American. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's and the whole thing the whole thing is laughable. I mean, for people to be upset, I don't know how many people were truly upset about him saying like PK or road games instead of away matches. I'm sure some people were just quote unquote taking the piss is that a thing right <laughs> i don't know you mentioned I, in a podcast saying a pk that i was like yeah. it was the worst thing like what did what they well, expect him to say was it something i wrote a whole column about that okay. maybe maybe there was some straw man uh there on my part i mean straw man for people who don't know is like a like a construction where i i make up some kind of um issue 
that might not really be a big deal or might not exist. I don't know. I'm not over there. So over there in the UK. So I don't know how many people were like truly offended by it or truly made a big deal about it. But, you know, I, I kind of focused on the irony that, okay, a, a foreigner, an American guy is going to come over and use some term that people think is goofy. Yet the best team in your league has 10 foreigners and it's coached by a, by a foreigner who doesn't even speak English. So, you know, the fact that people are going to split hairs over foreignness or non-nativeness in the English English Premier League, a league that's dominated by foreign players, and because of that marginalizes your national team, England is shit yeah. right now, as we all know. Um, I mean, come on. So you're going to worry about what, a, what some American guy says? You don't have any... You've got, like, maybe two British managers who are worth a crap at this point in Eddie Howe and maybe Gareth Southgate, you know, but we're going to sit here and worry about what the American guy yeah, has to say. It's just that whole that whole angle that seemed really corny to me. Um, but I also didn't, I didn't just, I also thought some Americans were a little myopic in the way they looked at it too, thinking that he was fired just because he was American or was hired just because Swansea was recently bought by Americans. I mean, there, there's probably something to that, you know? And uh, his last job in France, uh, the owner was an American who had recently bought the team too. So there, there's definitely something there where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So he, he maybe it's fair or unfair, but he had to deal with that stigma. Um, and finally, I would just say he didn't. I don't think he did himself any favors tactically or with his personnel decisions. You know, he tried a lot of different guys. He switched things up. Well, see, that's what he said. He was trying like, like a lot of different things, which mm-hmm. I guess makes sense in some ways when you're getting to know these players, just like trying things out. But yeah. obviously, when you tried too many things, it it could backfire on you. Well, he played Gilfie Sig- Sigurdsson was probably the best player on the team, right? And he played him as like a false nine striker. He tried him on the wing a little bit. And then he had a little stretch where he kind of got it right and just played like a 4-2-3-1, and he let Sigurdsson play behind an actual striker. He changed the center backs uh, a bunch of times. You know, his full backs weren't that great. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Um, I don't know if Bob did a great job with, with tactical and personal stuff, but that team is shit. <laughs> that team is terrible, man. There's the I, there, those center backs, I mean, they, it's my podcast, so I can yeah. say whatever I want. And if my dog wants to destroy <laughs> this oven mitt over here, he can do that, so too. So let me ask you, do you think Bob should come back to MLS no. and take the LAFC job? Uh, no. I do. Because I just I think do. that I don't, I don't want his – and maybe this is unfair for me to go this route, but I don't want his European adventure to end in the same way as his son's yeah, European well, I, adventure, I don't think know? it's ended for either of them. I think sometimes you just need to take a step back, and I think LA is a pretty cool, unique opportunity where he could kind of mold the team how he likes. It, it's start next, from scratch. Yeah, have start from scratch. I think it's a cool opportunity, yeah, and they have a lot of money. It's a good, it's a good place to be. Obviously, I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty good place to land. I don't personally. disagree with that at all. Um, but I, I admired the fact that he took jobs oh, that yeah. were challenges in Stabek and Lahav. He blazed a he blazed a tough path, and he got fired a lot. And I respect him a lot, and I yeah. think he's a great coach for someone who's been fired as much as he has. I mean, he still has a good. <laughs> I mean, he's a great. He's yeah. a he's a good coach. He's, I have like two or three firings before I catch up with with uh, Bob. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think the, the you know the, I, I was in the camp of the Michael Bradley people who thought that he probably should have stayed over there at least a little bit because you know he ascended all the way from. Here in Vienna to Munchen Gladbach to Kievo to Roma, and then all of a sudden he's back at Toronto. And um, I'm, Post, not, I'm never going to knock an MLS Cup. Yeah, but I mean, who cares? You know, I, I'm never going to knock. We're a guy. an MLS podcast. If somebody you should th- care. If somebody threw that kind of money at me, um, you know, I'd take it. But first of all, I mean, the DP rule wasn't created for um, Americans. But anyway, 
Um, yeah, I, I just would have liked to see them try to uh, continue in Europe, end it on a he good note, back. and then come over here. You know, I mean, he had plenty of time left, but um, I just think it was a raw shake, and whether whether people like it or not, you know, there's there's always going to be the stigma in. Uh, the UK about American coaches or whatever, but they got bigger problems because like the top seven teams in that league are all coached by foreigners anyway. Right. And their national team's terrible, right. so I think there needs to be some uh, yeah. inward looking here. But um, so what else do we got on here? Should we look um, at Twitter questions? Yeah, you want to take some How of those and get? see what's going? Um, I don't, I don't know. Let's let me a lot. log on here. Oh, here's a bunch of it just came in. Do you think Ernie has a favorite soda? And if so, what is it? Um, uh, speaking of soda, I was at the uh, Coke Museum in Atlanta, which, which is actually really cool because you yeah. could try different Coke products from like all, from like around the globe, like Africa, oh, really? uh, Europe, Latin America, and what do they have that's different? That we don't uh, have? you know, Africa was speaking my language. It was a lot of like sweet stuff, which I like, like fruity sweet drinks. Oh, it's just um, like different flavors. Yeah, kind of like yeah. It's it's not all Coke. It, it's just like Coke products, like vitamin water, like is a Coke product now. Oh, okay, okay. So like they had different stuff. So yeah. that was cool. I, I think I tried like fi- uh, 50 or so. Nice. Sips of Coke. That's good, man. Um, <laughs> what did, uh, so what, which one do you think Ernie drinks? That's uh, that's a tough question. What I know. Think? Well, I've, I, when I was at the cocktails and cleats thing, he was drinking wine <laughs> with, uh, yeah, I see him as a wine guy. with Tommy Wilson. So I, I'll chalk that up as maybe a European thing. I didn't see a, I don't really think of a Scottish, a Scott, um, being a wine drinker, but apparently that was the case. Nick Sikiewicz was a Stella drinker. <laughs> for anybody who cares, but um, what yeah. else do we? What else do we? Uh, let's see. Uh, we kind of talked about this uh, from Howie Herman. Is Bedoya going to be the eight? Uh, not the same type of player as Nogueira. So Baxter, just relax, man. So we touched on that. I don't think he's going to be the eight, right? Um, yeah, I don't think so. No, yeah. probably be the ten. Uh, who amongst the current roster is poised for the biggest jump as far as uh, production goes? Um, I think it, I think the breakout players could be uh, um, Roland Alberg if he gets a chance at the 10. I think yeah. he's going to be a guy who scores like 15 goals. Mm-hmm. Another guy who could make a jump uh, for a breakout year is uh, Fabian Herbers if Herbers. he gets a little more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had a very good... Uh, um, rookie season, but still, like, didn't start that many games. Strange case, because, so. yeah, because Herbers probably played his best soccer of the year when the team was struggling. Um, so I think it was hard to kind of get a good read on him, especially when he was playing that different position out there on the right. So he, he's an intriguing case coming in this year. And the staff loves him, too. Yeah. So. This upcoming season, you guys should do a segment where the uh, dog predicts the uh, winner of the next uh, game. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of um, barking, but I think what we can do is we can, uh, you know, how they have like all these these goofy things where they they pick two items and they they write like Philadelphia on one and they write like New York on the other, and we'll see like which one he um, he eats or chews up or bites through or um, relieves himself on, you know, whatever whichever one he can. Uh... Right, Baxter. Oh, this is a we have a. Um... A big question here. It's it's um multiple choice. You ready? Yeah. What happens first? A. They uh, develop land around the stadium. B. An academy player is is uh, promoted to the uh, U.S. M. The uh, U.S. national team. Or C. The uh, Union win an MLS Cup. Ooh. I'd go B. Academy player promoted yeah, to U.S. national team. Because their academy is getting pretty good. I mean, in a few, yeah. in a few years, I mean, like Derek Jones or like or like Austin Trusty, like and they've already gotten youth in a couple uh, years. Could get too. could get call ups. 
to like January camps. And Keegan Rosenberry was just promoted to the U.S. and he was almost he an academy well player. So that's academy player, yeah. that's kind of the answer there. So B would be the answer. Uh, develop land around the stadium or win the MLS Cup. What's what's next before that? Probably develop land around <laughs> the stadium. Yeah, that's not me. Just, that's just me telling it how it is. <laughs> you know, because that that developing land around the stadium doesn't uh, you know isn't based on what nineteen other MLS teams do or twenty one or the team is sold. Didn't like Jay Sugarman just like shell, uh, sell like a lot of stock? Stock, yeah, I like one point two million dollars in stock. That was a good catch by uh, what's yeah. his name, John. I'll try to give him credit. <laughs> John Nagy or something, I think his okay. name is. But um, yeah, a fan uh, pointed that out. He's like, yeah, they sold a bunch. He he asked, he's like, how much was that? Oh, uh, John O'Donnell said, uh, how much was that rumored striker target last year? And they had a million dollars earmarked for a transfer, and uh, so sure enough, Sugarman just sold off a million dollars in stock. So I'm uh, saying. Yeah, but I'm saying clearly he wants a striker. Yeah. Uh, Kyle King, how likely is is um Derek Jones to get uh, consistent um minutes? They are not afraid to play youth, and he has the talent. I really don't know, man. Um, he was probably steals. Um, I was he was a top three steal player for sure. I mean, behind Ryan Richter and um, no, he's probably had a better year than Eric Ayak actually. I I just I have no clue. I have no clue. Um. Yeah, that's a big ask to put a kid in that position. They've been playing him as a number eight. You know, they haven't really been playing him as a six. And, and part of the problem, too, with those guys of uh, his uh, no, guys of his background, like young African guys, um, you know, they, they tend to be tweeners when they play the mid, those midfield positions. They're good, rangy, box-to-box, athletic kind of guys. But, you know, Yaya Toure is an example. Like, what is his position on the field? Are you okay with the dog licking you in the face? Or <laughs> Which, where does Yaya Toure play on the field? Is he like a uh, a number ten? Is he a number eight? Is he a whatever? I mean, it, it's it's always kind of strange trying to pick the best spots for those guys. But I mean, why would you sign these guys if they're not ready to play? You know? Yeah. Look at what look at what like Dallas and New York are doing. So. I'd like to see him and Trusty get like some first team minutes, maybe kind of balance them like with Bethlehem, get like five hundred yeah. minutes first team. Play him a ton in the yeah. preseason too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you see any more questions? Uh, uh, did, did we talk about Sig Thorson yet? Oh, yeah, that's a question. Yeah. How much validity is there to the Sig Thorson to MLS so, Philly rumors? All right, so just to back up and give some uh, um, you know context here, Colbain uh, Sig Thorson is the Iceland Iceland striker who um, played. He he came through the AZ youth ranks, and Ernie uh, promoted him to the first team at AZ back in 2010 or something like that. He scored like 20 some 15 goals or 20 goals or something. Then they sold him to Ajax a year later for four million euros. Right? Uh, he he had a pretty good run at Ajax, not as good as Alkmaar, but um, then they sold him to Nantes, and he had trouble at Nantes. Didn't score a ton of goals, like three goals, and then they loaned him out to Galatasaray, and he was injured and he didn't play like a damn minute for them. Right? So. Um, the Galatasaray terminated his loan, and now he's just sort of floating around out there. I don't know what the hell is up with him, but he's still only 26 years old. Uh, great striker. He scored the goal that uh, dispatched England oh, yeah. in the uh, Euros, right? So, um, I mean, and he would immediately be th- probably the best signing that the Union have ever made, right? A goal-scoring striker. A big More. guy who can who can play center forward, who can play in the system too, but... Uh, better than Freddie Adu. Better than yes. Better than Reese Maboli. Be, yes, better than both of them. He played in a little tournament in France. <laughs> um, so it, it, it just makes too much. That sense, was a fun. Right? That was a fun tournament to watch them. The little yeah. tournament in France. Yeah, the Iceland. Uh, yeah, yeah. Iceland's run there. It was a hell of a game yeah. too. Yeah. Um, pretty good squad too. Yeah. But it just makes 
too much sense, you know. I mean, here's a guy who's like completely out of favor, coming back off an injury, his market value's down. There's a connection there. I mean, at the very least, somebody should be making a phone call to Nant and saying, hey, what's up here? You know, because they've done business with him twice in the past. Well, three times, you know, two Aristigueta loans and, um, you know, Ali Bedoya. And, uh, you know, Bedoya played with him at Nant. So there's connections all over the place. Somebody's at least got to be on the phone and say, hey, what's up? You know, so because he transferred from Ajax, sold him to Nant for three million. Um, So assuming his market value is down you know, with the the failed loan spell, I mean, uh, 1.5, 2 million at the very most, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to pay that, but you got um, any other questions on there? Uh, do you see any? I think we got it. Someone asked, yeah. is it safe to say Blake's coming back? I think probably at this point. Yeah, it's disappointing, but I, I mean, look, it's a win-win situation because okay he's the best goalkeeper in the league. So either you make some money off of him or you have one of the best goalkeepers. Yosef Samuel, uh, he made some buzz at training camp last year. Do you think he signs with uh, Bethlehem? Uh, it'd be nice to see him do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's two, it. The, uh, Any questions? No, I'd, I'd just say that. Nobody next... asked about Baxter, which is weird. No, well, this is his introduction to the world. Um, <laughs> you know, the next couple weeks are going to be kind of boring, I think, depending on what happens with the signings, because they don't they the yeah. dra- they don't draft, they draft until the... No first round, but yeah. I'll yeah. say trade up for one. So I guess they go out to the combine from January 7th um, to January 12th, and then the draft is also out in L.A. on the 13th. And then preseason starts on the twint, um, Monday the 23rd, I think. And I'm going to miss a bunch of it because I'm going out to L.A. for um, for uh. my other job. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess we're just sort of sitting tight and waiting for uh, transfer rumors to Isn't it crazy that the season ended uh, last month? Yeah. In December, and then comes back in the preseason in January. There's like z- – it's like zero months between the seasons. Yeah, I mean, could <laughs> you imagine too if you? Hey, Baxter, don't bite. Hey, hey, no, stop. <laughs> He's biting the damn microphone. I told you that was gonna happen. Um, it's a good thing we're wrapping this thing up right now. But he's um, going off the rails. So look, we'll dogs. try to. I'll sniff around. I'll see what kind of rumors I can come up with, and uh, you know, if and I Baxter can, will also sniff and around. Baxter will also sniff around, just <laughs> destroy things around the house, and. Um, you know, we'll uh, try to get back on board with the pod, but hopefully there's some uh, news, some stuff to talk about because I know everybody's yeah. just sort of been hanging tight and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the holiday and got to spend some time with the family. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And uh, that's about all we got right now. So we're back in business for 2017. Um, as always, thanks again for listening and we're always open to uh, questions, comments, and concerns. All right, that'll do it. Episode number 10, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Happy New Year. <laughs>